You're listening to Formby Podcast. In this podcast, we're back in St Peter's Church. It's Heritage Week. It's their 275th year. And we're with Joan Rimmer and Dominic Dixon for the slideshow, The Village That Was Formby. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to St. Peter's Church, and uh, wonderful to see so many people here. Absolutely fantastic. Now, um, it's, this is our fourth presentation this week in our Heritage Week, so we've been educated and elucidated, and now we are going to be entertained. Now, I'm sure most of you know Joan Rimmer, and probably known her a lot longer than I have. I've only met her a few months ago. And I think, I think we can describe Joan as a walking encyclopedia and history book of Formby. Her knowledge is phenomenal, and her memory is outstanding. And we also uh, have with us today Nick Dixon, uh, Dominic Dixon, uh, and he is going to entertain us vocally as well as uh, in speech. So, um, so uh, I'm sure you're all eagerly waiting for this to start. I'm going to tell you there will be an interval of about 15 minutes, which will give you the opportunity to um, wander around, say hello to old friends, look at the uh, picture boards, and possibly purchase a tea towel or two. <laughs> So, uh, without any further delay, uh, I'm going to introduce Joan Rimmer and Nick Dixon with Formby Memories. Right, thanks very much, Nick. Quite a tall order to live up to that. But anyway, I've been in Formby since 1970, 52 years. I've really grown to love the place. I've got Children grown up here, grandchildren grown up here, and I really feel part of Formby. However, I really look up to Joan because her family's been here for three generations. So she is, with all her knowledge of Formby, she's rooted in the place, aren't you, Joan? If you say so, yeah. Uh, well, my family have been here a lot longer than three generations because my mother's family were Formbys and my dad's family were Rimmers, so we've been here for many generations. But um, when all these newcomers started to come in, we started calling them blow-ins, and this is one of the blow-ins. Um, <laughs> but he's one of the very best. He's absolutely marvellous. And I'm only here tonight because of this fellow, because... Um, it, and I've just been thinking, Nick, if, you're, if your twins um, stay in Formby and they have children, they'll be sand grounders because it takes three generations. So you, you'll still be a blow-in. We're doing <laughs> our best, Joan. Anyway, enough of that. What we're going to be doing, I'm going to be singing some of Joan's poems. Joan's written lots of poems about Formby and I'm going to have put them to traditional tunes and the first one is called The Simple Life. 
A simple cottage in a lane, a water butt to catch the rain, a patch of land to grow the food, to satisfy each family's brood, a roof of thatch composed of straw, rag rags upon the earthen floor, a door knocked up of slats of wood, a cow close by to chew the cud. That's how it was in for me, that's how it was in for me, that's how it was in for me. Be so many years ago. A self-sufficient, simple life, a working man, a homely wife. Lots of children running round, all helping cultivate the ground. This was the way of Formby folk, whose northern accent softly spoke. Of country ways shared by them all When a squire lived in Formby Hall That's how it was in Formby That's how it was in Formby That's how it was in Formby So many years ago those memories of days of old are stories great-grandparents told to children sitting on their knee to hand down through their family. Those children now themselves are old and their grandchildren now are told the tales of how life was before when homes were thatched with an earthen floor. That's how it was in Formby. That's how it was in Formby. That's how it was in Formby so many years ago. I have to apologize that as a man I can't multitask. So singing and moving the slides on, which is what I was meant to be doing, didn't actually happen. I wonder I'll if we try could have better next time. Excuse me, just one second. Do you think we could have the lights out? The picture might be clearer. Is that okay? Do you think? Do you think, Nick? I've known in churches they say let there be light. Oh well. But um, let there be less light is not so common, right? Oh, you've got to see, though. I'm sorry, I forgot that bit. No, it's okay. I can see without any light, and I can do the computer without touching it. I'm multi... <laughs> right. Let's look at where those places were. Uh, this is a cottage which was then at the end of, of Alka Lane. It's now just about where the middle of Alka Lane is, because it's been extended since this time. And it was just one of over 50 cottages, thatch cottages, that were spread all around Formby up to the 1950s. Um, there's only a few left now, but uh, there were over 50 then. Um, this is right in the middle of Phillips Lane, just before you come to the park area. Um, there's a little road runs off to the right, a little pathway that goes through to Duke Street. And on the left-hand side, there's another little road that goes, I think it goes to Dickinson Road. Um, and this was the home of the Tyra family. Um, it's where Tyra Close is situated now. And that was from a photograph taken in 1903. So I wish that little girl could just step out and tell us all about it. We have to be careful here, otherwise we get the Tyra family history going back to the 17th oh, century. No. 
Uh, this, these are some cottages, f probably fishermen's cottages in Cheapside. Uh, just ordinary little cottages uh, near to where the Redgate School is now. Uh, this is another little farm just on the corner of um, Cheapside, uh, uh, Cheapside and uh, opposite to Raven Mills Lane, dead opposite Raven Mills Lane on Liverpool Road. And that family is the uh, Sutton family. Uh, that's Ellen Sutton and two little grandsons um, right on the corner there. And those two little boys, one of their, their, grand, one of their grandsons now lives on the same site in a bungalow. And this is um, Jimmy Lowe, the, aspar the asparagus farmer. But um, this isn't anywhere near his asparagus farm. He had two farms. One was an arable farm in um, uh, Bullcop. And this is one of his daughters, um, Vera, Mrs. Strong, Marjorie Strong's mother, if anybody knows Marjorie. And uh, if you imagine you stand, you're sitting in the car going across to Tesco's and look to the um, allotments where they are, this is where this picture was taken, long before the um, bypass was built. And he had four daughters and two sons, and they all worked, every, the girls worked every bit as hard as the, as the men. And um, uh, this is one of the uh, forges in Formby, the blacksmith's forges. This one is um, in Little Alcott, right opposite the row of shops where the uh, post office is now, where the uh, zebra crossing is. And, um, oh, you've gone too fast. I'm trying to speed up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm told these people can't stand more than about an hour. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, we've gone now into Rave Mills Lane, and this is Bill's Lane, which is totally changed now. And it was the home of the Halsell family. And he, one of the family, became a, a, a bishop in the Roman Catholic Church. And those little holes at the top are the pigeon holes up there. Uh, and the last people to have it was two brothers called um, the Lee brothers, I think. No, Lee Farm it was called, Fletcher's. And they sold duck eggs from there. Now, and they, oh. can I stop you there, Jim? Okay. This chap interests me. He has a Viking look about him. Do you know? If you could imagine the hat with the, the helmet with the two horns on each side, it would fit him like a glove. Because uh, I think he's typical, because there's a lot of Viking genes around Formby, especially in the people who've been here for three generations. Well, if you've quite finished, that's my granddad. <laughs> And he's a bit of a mystery man because he was actually born very close to here, just round the corner in Paradise Lane. In 1876, he was born in a little thatched cottage which has now been replaced by a pair of um, bungalows. And he is a mystery because why he went to Olka, of all places, which is where this photograph was taken, I just don't know because there were farms all over Formby that he could have worked out. But I'm very glad that he did, because he, he married one of the farmer's daughters, my grandma, and she was absolutely lovely. Um, in this picture, he, he usually, every week, they would uh, load the cart up with farm produce. This picture is probably from about 1900, I would think. And um, the men would all take uh, the produce into Liverpool Market. They'd set off in the very early hours of the morning, and then, um, so that they were there for when all the market started. And then they'd probably be so dog-tired that the men just used to get on the back of the lorry and the horse would find its own way back. Well, it's now, a long way from Formby to Liverpool, isn't it, really, with the horse and cart? Now, as you know, 
Joan's surname is Rimmer, and there's quite a few Rimmers around here. But she often says, oh, but they're no relation. Well, they're quite, no relation. Well, that's quite true. Well, there were so many of us, and we all had nicknames. Next slide. Oh, this is the Rimmers arriving <laughs> on the shore, climbing off the boat. That's the Rimmers. And the boats still out there are the Aindos and the Mormons <laughs> coming in. And a few of the Suttons and Wrights as well. Yes. Yeah. Right, let's have another of Joan's poems. This time, uh, this one is a little bit more recent than that last one. And it's called Bygone Days. And it's to a tune of English country gardens, if you wonder what the tune is. <laughs> country folk with country accents, everyone knew everyone. Leafy lanes and grassy meadows, no one thought of rushing on. Buttercups and four-leaf clovers, celandine and hollyhocks, flowers growing in the hedgerows, children blowing dandelion clocks. Lots of dusty lanes to wander, daisy chains and marigolds. Many ditches filled with frog-spawn cattle in the old pinfalls. Making hay from dawn till sunset, stooks of corn set in the fields. Farmers bringing in the harvest, toiling as the church bells peal. Butterflies fluttering gently around us, autumn conquers on a string. Oak and elm and ash and poplar, sycamore pods fly like a wing. Blackberry picking in the evenings, dewberries growing on the shore, gorse and vetch and foxgloves blooming, who could ever ask for more? Is this memory just a daydream past and gone just like a kiss? How can we convince our children Formby once was just like this? You've heard of Rogers and Hammerstein. One of them wrote the words and the others did the tune. So we're a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go on now and talk about where those places are. Uh, this is the way to Formby Shore along Lifeboat Road. It's not changed an awful lot, but um, that's the way down to Formby Shore. This is right in the middle of um, Liverpool Road. The little um, thatch cottage in the distance there is um, Spanker's Cottage, and the signpost is pointing down Rave Mills Lane to the, to the uh, station. The, the cottage sticking out into the road um, is just about, well, just in front of where the dental laboratory is now. And the trees on the right-hand side, opposite the little cottage there, um, there are a couple of shops there now, and that was the, where the photograph of the old lady with the little boys on the cart, that was where their farm was. 
Amazing how that road has been straightened out. It doesn't really look anything like that. And they certainly didn't have any mini roundabouts in those <laughs> days. Um, this is now the Gardner, uh, sorry, the Smithy Green Estate. It's, um, I think this is where, I think it's called um, Mittens Lane now. But this was uh, all fields up there. And the little cottage at the, uh, the one at the end there, that was Mrs. Mitten's shop. And it was a tiny, weeny little shop that sold just about everything. And the farmers, there were three farms along Church Road. And they had no fields nearby. So their cattle used to have to come all the way down from Church Road to the fields here, over which is, is now the Smithy Green housing estate. And this is my road. I live in Priest House Lane. And this is the, en the end that comes up towards um, Watchard Lane, Kenyon's Lane. There were five roads that all met at the corner. There was Priest House Lane, Kenyon's Lane, Watchard Lane, Bullcop and Flaxfield Road. Flaxfield Road's been redirected since and doesn't come out there. But this behind the trees on the left is Chapel House Farm. It's now a little cul-de-sac. And behind, further along there is the big old Priest House. And then round the corner, my, my is house. Is that little cul-de-sac where Shirley Charles lived? No, that's the one next to my house, oh, a bit further along. Oh, that's the uh, pinfold. Yeah, this is the pinfold. And this was on the corner of our road, on Priest House Lane and Flaxfield Road. And the, the house in the background is still there. It's one of the old cottages in Kenyon's Lane. There are bungalows in front of it now. But this was there for any stray cattle that had escaped from the farms. And they, it, it, and they would be rounded up and left in the pinfold um, with a big sturdy door on it until um, the farmers came and reclaimed their own cattle. Um, oh, that's my dog in the first. This is now another housing Does estate. Is he called Rimmer? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, on the right-hand side where the man is standing now, that's now the Gardner Road estate with, full of houses. But that, where that man is, it was a big swamp, and we used to go down there uh, skating on it in the winter. And in the far distance, when you can see the houses, that was Jimmy Lowe's farm in Bullcop. On the left-hand side, it was, it was called Council Avenue then, but it's called Burlington Avenue now. But it's all part of uh, Our Lady's School now on the left-hand side. Um, we've now come down to the village area, and in the distance, this is Elbow Lane, and the little, the, just behind the trees is the Methodist Church, and the little cottage um, in the foreground, um, that's just been demolished, and there's uh, some new houses on the site now. Now, now actually, you know this it. one, I know where that is, because that's down Wicks Lane, near Larkhill Farm, and it was more or less like that when we moved to Formby in 1970. And I can remember pushing a pushchair through the sand. That was our quickest way to the beach yeah. from where we lived. Yeah. And it was pretty much exactly like that. Yeah. And adjacent to it was oh, an yes, old that, farm yeah. building that became derelict for many, many years and was knocked down. And they built a 12.5 million pound house that mm. belongs to the chap who owns farm food farm food yeah he's a blow-in too <laughs> but he's not a good blow-in <laughs> well this was the brooks's home the, the the asparagus people they were probably one of the original asparagus people right 
farming inform you? So we've seen bits and pieces related to farming, but of course it was mainly a farming community oh, at one time. it was, absolutely, yes. Oh, there's my old granddad again. So I think I've told you all you need to know about him. Uh, these are the cows belonging to Duke Street Farm, and that's the Methodist church in the background before they built the houses opposite to it. Uh, that time, I think they belonged to Alderson's, and then Walker's had it after them. Oh, and this is the farm itself, the farmhouse. Um, Which is still there. It's still Street. there. It's the only building in Duke Street that doesn't line up with the road, because it was mm. there before. It, it's just opposite Elba Lane, just as you go towards the park area. And there were three of us in this show at the beginning, and Steve, the one that uh, had to leave us, unfortunately, he lived there for a while, and it doesn't look all that much different, really. And this is the, the, when um, the, 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 the park uh, was part, the, the Duke Street Park was part of the farm belonging to the walkers where those cows came from. And once um, Dr. Sykes bought the park to give it to the people of Formby in perpetuity, the, the cows had nowhere to graze, so they had to come over the Brit Station Bridge before the roundabout was built. And then they would go, uh, every morning, they'd go up over the bridge to the fields, and then every evening they'd come back again. And the little building, the very small building, it was the coal office, and the big building in the middle, part of it's still there, next door to the Formby Library. Was the citizen advice for It was citizen's time, advice it? at one time, yeah. This is another farm just opposite uh, Gardner, um, the Smithy Green Estate, at the end of um, uh, Watchard Lane, just before you come to Cable Street. And there are bungalows on this site now. But this was another farm belonging to a family called Rimmer, but I'm going to say it, but not related to me. <laughs> <laughs> And this is another uh, farm. Probably some of you may remember this because it's not... Well, it is. It's a long time ago, I suppose, but it doesn't seem long to me. But this was Ify Walker and his daughter um, on the horse and cart. Uh, their farm was on the corner of Ulker Road and um, Church Road near to Cross Green. And um, they used to go around the area selling um, green groceries uh, from door to door. Uh, his horse was stabled in um, Jimmy Lowe's barn at one time and unfortunately some kids set it on fire and the horse perished in the fire and it wasn't all that long after that that um, that Ify died and this is another little farm on the corner of Kenyon's Lane and Watchard Lane just opposite to Tr Priest House Lane and it's the back of the farm and it was very small it just had a few pigs a few cows and um, a little orchard at the side and that's Agshaw who owned the farm. She was fantastic. She was always busy working. And here she is at her farm gate in Kenyon's Lane. And um, she's got the milk bottles and the cans in her hand. And my memory of her is always pushing a wheelbarrow. Whenever you saw her, she was wheeling a barrow. She was really nice. Interestingly, she's got milk bottles of the relatively modern sort in one hand and cans of the old sort. Yeah in the other hand. So yes. it was just on that transition. And this is Jimmy Lowe, the extreme right, the little man at the end there with his hands in his, 
in his waistcoat. And he first started farming in Little Olka, where the shops are now. And uh, this is him w at the end with some of his workmen. And then he moved back to, um, moved on to um, Bullcup. I mean, he was something of an entrepreneur because it says they're low brothers, carriers yeah. between Liverpool and Formby. Yeah. You know, one of the real, you know, arteries of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He always wore a collar and tie and a waistcoat, even though he was working very hard. And he's got one there in that picture. And this is outside his farm in Bullcop. Um, these cows were just walking along Bullcop, and behind there is now the Gardner Road estate. And, oh, I took this photograph in the bad winter we had in 1962. That's just looking through from Bullcop from the farm, and it's all covered in houses now as the Gardner Road estate. That's another one that I took at the same time, looking from the bypass right across to um, Jimmy Lowe's farm. I daren't ask the name of the horse. I don't tell you, it's not allowed anymore. Um, this is the, the house that um, Percy Fresh came to in um, Freshfield Road, isn't it? Thomas is that, Fresh. Pardon? Thomas Fresh. Thomas Fresh, what did I say? Percy oh, Fresh. sorry. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting mixed up now. Do you want me to sing the mountains above? No, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it was Thomas Fresh who brought Freshfield Station to us, yes. He only lived there for three years, but he's got a blue plaque on the wall. And I can't believe this picture's only what it says it is, because it said it was 1937 in the paper that I got it from. But it looks more like much, much older than that. And it's the pea fields by the, the, um, by the lighthouse. Um, it doesn't exist anymore. Pardon? Which doesn't exist. Oh, no, no, it doesn't. No, it's gone. The lighthouse was blown up in the early 40s because it was um, uh, supposedly a hazard to the planes coming over to bomb Liverpool. Well, it was, yes, yeah, so they didn't yeah. want them to use it. Oh, no, no, it was, yeah. And the little uh, house alongside it was the uh, lighthouse keeper. And then later on, it, well, before that, I think it would be the, um, the lifeboat, um, the lifeboat uh, man that, that led the lifeboat. Ah, now I know what this is. This is an asparagus field. Yeah, that's an asparagus field. The man in the, in the front is called Edward Aindo, and he was the body servant of Miles Formby, who owned this field. I don't quite know what the body servant was, but he was severely disabled, wasn't he? he was, yeah. Yes. He so. After him. But when you look at that picture, you can see how hard they must have worked to have leavened that ground from the size of that hill. I mean, it's tremendous, really. That flat field was like the dunes originally. Yeah. And there he is, Jimmy Lowe. He really did put Formby on the map because asparagus had been grown here for generations. But when he started in the 1920s, um, he didn't just sell it locally. He used to, uh, his, his crops used to go out on the three o'clock train from Freshfield Station so that they'd be in all the markets all over the country for the next day. And he also used to exhibit his, his um, crops um, in Eves, that, I think that's Evesham. Uh, he, he was the world champion six times. Six times. And that was the when it snowed. Yes, it snowed in May and he lost his crop. 
And he was a local councillor. He was a local councillor. Vote for Low, the one you know. And <laughs> but apparently, according to his grandson. one of his grandsons, there was a church that said the wages of sin are death. And underneath someone wrote, and the wages of Jimmy Low are starvation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think... It's time for another song. Jimmy Low was acclaimed the asparagus king. His crops were world famous and bundles he'd bring to sell in the village from humble small shops and transport to market these wonderful crops. Jimmy Low, Jimmy Low, the asparagus king. Down by the pines the asparagus grew, a food much beloved by the affluent few. In pure form be sand by the edge of the sea, it was planted and nurtured this delicacy. Jimmy Low, Jimmy Low, the asparagus king. The gentry and royals all partook of his wares, his daughters Worked hard as the labours they shared, such lovely young girls slaving into the night, in a season so short and a schedule so tight. Jimmy Low, Jimmy Low, the asparagus king. Just casual help and all hands to the pump, a frantic workload before they could slump, and know that their efforts were their rewards in supplying this food to both princes and lords. Jimmy Low, Jimmy Low, the asparagus king. For me, asparagus was famed and renowned throughout the country, and it could be found on fine royal plates and in great hallowed halls at society weddings and county hunt balls. Jimmy Low, Jimmy Low, the asparagus king. Low's asparagus fields can no longer be found. No more feathery ferns in that poor barren ground. His fine local industry withered and died. Pine tree farm disappeared with the incoming tide. Jimmy Lowell, Jimmy Lowell, the asparagus king. When did you write that, Joan? This is interesting, Nick. Very interesting. Well, this is Jimmy with all his family quite late on in his life, I would guess. Yeah, he, these are all his, um, ch his daughters, really. Um, he had uh, four daughters, two sons. And these are um, the one on the... Uh, on, go, Jimmy's in the middle with them all. And the little girl on the dark horse um, is Marjorie Strong's sister. She's in her mother's arms next to that. Um, going to the left is the white horse. And the lady on the end has got her little girl and her other children on the, on the white horse. The dog's called Peter. And um, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> I, I'm particularly...
particularly curious about the dear little chap at the extreme right. Oh, I started school on the same day as that little boy. What a dear little fellow. And he seems to be wearing a thing we used to call buster suits. Do you remember? Like knitted with buttons holding the trouser short bits to the shirt bit. Do you remember? And he's not got it on very... It's all... <laughs> <laughs> raggedy and I just wonder what might have become of him and there he is <laughs> do any of you know Derek, Derek Perry, Perry? <laughs> well Derek Perry is the equivalent of Prince William if Jimmy Lewis was the asparagus king he's second in line to the throne like Prince William but I think it's more a case of what they say in Lancashire, clogs to clogs in three generations. <laughs> <laughs> right, well. Now, of course, we've got the asparagus trail, which some of you may have seen. And these were all carved by a local lad called Simon Archer. I think they've disappeared. I couldn't find them when I went the last time. They have, have gone. They? Yeah, I knew they were there and they'd they just not... They down in the storm or did the council take them down for health and safety? Yeah. It's a shame because they're brilliant, they're aren't fabulous. they, really? And they're huge. They're yeah. <coughs> that's Jimmy with his... Yeah, that's Jimmy. That um, It's a very good likeness to him. And the bundle of asparagus that won him the, uh, one of the prizes, it weighed 26 and a half pounds. It was massive. This is really good. This shows, this shows people carving out the asparagus fields from the sand dunes using shovel and a horse and cart. Mm -hmm. And it's really showing the same thing it's actually a bench, isn't it? There. It's a bench, yes. It's in an old asparagus field that up till a few years ago you could um, see lots of furrows, but uh, mm. no longer. No. no, I don't think so. They're more or less disappeared. Oh, oh and that's Mr. Aindo, another asparagus grower. And this is one of the current asparagus fields just off Blundell Avenue. And there's... David Brooks, David yes. Brooks, yes. He's been on television, I think, about his... I think he's really the only one left now. Now, what we've seen are cows, which presumably give milk, Asparagus. So my theory is that the population of Formby existed on cream of asparagus soup. <laughs> but I'm told there were also shops that sold other things in the village. Oh yes, that's the village oh, a long time back. The little cottage on the right-hand side in the foreground there. That's now, well, it's not Barclays Bank anymore, but that's where Barclays Bank is. Um, it was a, a, a residential area, and the houses on the right-hand side were the reason for the very large, long uh, pavements we've got now. 
um, the shops were just on the other side and there's um, some of the acetylene gas lamps just in the distance. There's the bank now, before we had the roundabout. And then we had the small roundabout, which was very nice, um, but very small. And we had loads of, at the time, about, oh, I can't remember, when, when, I, when I was younger anyway, there were 45 little individual shops, all selling different things. And most of the uh, owners of the shops or their staff lived above the shops. So it was quite busy, you know, as a residential area as well. And this is now Marks and Spencer's, would you believe? It's Hulsell Lane, where the uh, six little cottages were. They had originally been thatched, but um, that was long since gone. And it was like that when we came in yeah, the well, 70s. That, I think this picture was about 1965 when I took that one. And it was a little shop. The end one was a little shop, and the middle one um, were... It's not the red car, it's the, fur the furthest car away. That was where um, Mr. Wright had his roses business. And behind there, which is now the car park of, of um, Marks and Spencers, that was where all his roses were grown before he moved over to Alka. Now, going the opposite way from the roundabout... Yeah. We've gone round the corner now into Three Tons Lane. And Formby Hardware sto Stores was originally on the end, not where it is now. And the door and the house next door was joined onto it. But the, ho the house was demolished to make way for the car park, the Sumner Road car park. And the door is now the entrance to the bookies. And the, form uh, and the Formby Hardware short stop shut stores. Oh, there he is. There's Ray who had it, Ray Maddock. 1957, this picture was taken. It's almost like if you remember that sketch, Four Candles, where the bloke in the hardware shop wears the brown coat and there's all the stuff behind that he goes to get. Well, it was like that then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then this is the corner. Oh, it's now a, the pet shop on the corner of York Road and Three Tons Lane. But then it was the Harrods of Formby or the Tatty Shop or Joan Holden's shop. It was brilliant. You couldn't ask for the wrong thing in there. You couldn't see anything, but they could find everything. I know. <laughs> they never put anything back. There was like a little walkway up the middle and everything, piles of everything on either side. They were run by, I remember, three old ladies, and my children used to call it the witch's shop. <laughs> <laughs> they were extremely helpful oh well she, she was great yes it was very sad really because um some kids put something through the window and it was set on fire and she had a stroke after that now we've come to the village which is now a financial whatever it is and an estate well, agent on the corner of um, the village school he, lane and Holsell lane he seems to be managing his own wealth a lot better than anybody else's i mm, think yeah but it's the biggest shop in Formby by a mile. It's actually five shops. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And that's where the first library was. Formby Library was on, in one of the shops there. It was a Lancashire County Library then. Just not, a, not right on the corner. Probably the third one along was the library. And it was very, very small. Well, even, even there, the middle two are really two shops in the space yes. one. Yeah. Oh. Oh. There we are. Homesteader. 
And Nick pointed out to me I'd, something I hadn't. You tell them, Nick. I yeah, hadn't on, noticed on the, this. There's a sign on uh, the. Excuse me, just for people who don't know, it's right opposite the entrance to Waitrose in um, School it's Lane. More or less where ne your Dental is next and Domino's and those things. It was quite wide. Yeah. Next door to um, the Balti House. And was run by Mrs. Nimmo and her husband, yeah, Jock, Jock Nimmo. Yeah. And they, there's a sign on the left-hand side. And you can't read it, but it said, Curios, Bric-a-Brac, Junk. J-U-N-Q-U-E. Posh yeah. Junk. <laughs> Very posh junk. <laughs> uh, and this is how it looked before it became the Balti House. Once it was... Uh, Made it was Formby's very first school. The first one was built in 1659, and this one replaced it about in the 1700s. And it became um, it was the only school in Formby until St Peter's was built. Hence, School Lane is the in name School there. Lane, yeah. And then it, there was a lady lived there with two little dogs, and it was a gorgeous looking place. There are pictures of it thatched at an earlier time, I think. Oh, are there? Mm. Oh, and there we are, back to the village again. I'm sure all of us are concerned about traffic behaviour in Formby. But this is not a new thing. If you look on this picture very closely, you can see, just as the curve of the roundabout, someone has parked their Lambretta. Do you well, see that it? Was cream Cream-coloured Lambretta. It was a two-tone grey. It was beautiful, and it was properly parked. How I do you know? Have, because it was mine. Oh, Joe! <laughs> well, <laughs> I Speechless. rest my case. Speechless. <laughs> right, we're now going to go down the main drag of the village. Oh no. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're not yet because Joan has written a poem about the village bobbies. Just before you begin, we had, um, during the war, we had um, seven bobbies. After the war, we had 15, all living in houses belonging to the Lancashire County Police. And now we could never see one, do we? No, they're very rare. And they love coming here. It was like a rescue. There was no crime. They were all fighting to get to Pornby. There and we that's are. That's the police station. Yeah. Anyway, I've put it to a fairly appropriate tune, I think. They had no need for walkie-talkies, no need at all for panda cars. Our Bob is here, you Shanks's pony, never went to seminars. We knew them and they knew us, then respected, held in high esteem. These seven men were our protectors, reliable, trusted, affairs first-rate team. Fred Bezik was the tall and lean one, small moustache and big flat feet. We all failed safe with Fred amongst us, pounding round his formby beat. Norman Brooks, the quiet, shy one, played piano in the band. But don't forget, he's still a copper, toll the line or feel his hand. 
Bob Greenhouse. The big rotund chap, crime detection was his game. Sergeant Coulthard lived at the station. Watch your step, they know your name. George Davison and Big Bill Hoptroff were the men we all admired. Plus P.C. Rook, the mounted policemen, all hoped they'd stay till they retired. In such a law-abiding village, seven policemen seemed a lot. But pay was low with no inflation, meant the best was what we got. How many police did you say there was, Jonah, uh, earlier? Uh, there were seven then. Seven then. There were seven in that song, but... Yeah. But then, well, after that, after the war, we got another five, uh, six houses built opposite the Bay Horse, and they came along. We had a, a, two new houses built in um, School Lane opposite Our Lady's so Church. So how many police were there all together? There were 15. I'd have had to do another load of verses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't make you do that. I had, as you saw, there weren't many pictures, unfortunately of Formby Village Bobbies. And so I went on the internet looking for pictures with the word Bobby and Formby in. <laughs> that was... Oh, that's what it looks like now. Yes, they've spent the a fortune. Shut. The door's shut and the sign tells you to go to Southport. Yeah. They've just spent a fortune on it, so they can use it as a rest um, place, I believe. But if you Google Formby and Bobby's, this is what you get. He was in a film called Spare a Copper. <laughs> he was in two films as a policeman. And... Obviously, nothing to do... The reason why he's called Formby is he's not from Formby at all. His dad, who was George Formby Sr., saw the word Formby chalked on a railway wagon. So that's a good name. I'll take that. And so he was George Formby Jr. Um, and so he's even less of a Formbyite than I am. He's not even a blow-in, is he's he? He's not even a blow-in. He never came here, did he? <laughs> Wigan, yes. Right, back to the village. Oh, yes, this is an old picture. You can see there's a horse being trotting down the middle there. And it's cobbled. What, yes, what, yes, that's right. Well, when we're, we're looking now, where those verandas are, um, just the other side of the verandas, by the hedge, is probably where the new surgery is at the moment. And the chemist shop, probably. Right in the middle of the village. Because basically the shop's crept up the right-hand side a bit yeah. at a time, which is why, as you say, there's a huge pavement yeah. mm. because of the front gardens. And they're, they've got halfway, and there's still yes. more of the yeah. big... Yeah. So what's next? Oh, that's... Um, oh, and this is another one, an earlier one. Trees on both sides. Those elm trees all went when the elm disease came. 
But there's trouble again with the trees brewing at the moment, so I don't know how long. We're looking down now towards where the post office is, and Derbyshire's is on the left-hand side. Yes. And that's looking back down. Yeah, yes. The, the, uh, yeah. That's a nice one. Oh. That was oh, Joan I... Rimmer's Christmas card in 1968. I took it, but I didn't take Abby Tommy a Christmas card. But it's quite nice, really, that one. Oh, yes, that, that's the art exhibition, which I think, I don't know whether they still have it now with all this COVID thing going on, but that's my mum in the, in, the, in the background. I didn't take it because of her. It was because of the exhibition. Um, she just had a big operation on her hand. And the gas showrooms is now Boots. The shop next door, Dally's, is, I don't know what it is now. It was the charity shop. Um, the gas showroom, of course, is where you went in to sort out anything with your gas. You didn't get on the telephone and s hear them say, we value your call, you're 27th <laughs> in the queue, and then play horrible music at you. Yeah. And then when you get through it, somebody in South Africa, there was actually a shop you went in. You may, some of you may remember those days. Yeah. Oh, and this, I don't know whether any of you remember Jean Leamy who had a keep fit class. Well, that's Jean in the picture there with the sash around her. And she worked in Dally's shop. And that's the manager next to her. And I think you know who the lady is in the, in the middle, Nick. Well, she's the wife. Mrs. Stanton. The wife of Gordon Stanton, the plumber. He was a plumber. She lived in um, School, School Avenue. Lane, yeah. Yeah. And there's Derbyshire's, the oldest shop in the village. It's been there for a long, long time. And um, it used to just have two counters. Um, one on, on the one side was all for tobacco and cigarettes and things. And the other side was sweets. And during the war, they were both empty. And then at the back, there was a little private library that you paid about threepence a time for, for a book. And that's Michael Rawlinson in... Um, Dally's Butchers, which is now, I think, Reva Land. Charters. Is it Reva? Charters, I remember. Charters, it yes. yes. It's Reva Lounge, I think, now. This oh, is where they mended umbrellas and sunshades. That's now a travel agent's next door to Bruff's Butchers. Oh, and that's the, sh the shop next door to what was. I think, I, I think it's now, it was the bank. Where the, the new shop is, the general stores, that's next door. It was a, the cake shop of Ewing's. Is that the shop that you can hardly tell it sells anything? <laughs> <laughs> and this is Mrs. Ewing in the window of her shop. Um, no gloves or anything getting the cakes out, but nobody was ill. And this we used to be a very drab little shop. It was Mrs. Smith's shop, and then um, Mrs. Gerard took it on, and they built that lovely little bow window. And it's now um, the coffee shop. What's that coffee shop? What's Woodwards. Uh, Woodwards, yes, it's Woodwards. Now Woodwards. It's now Woodwards. Yes. And uh, the little cottage at the back had a lovely garden in the front of it, and that's all been filled in now with, uh, with new shops. And these were the last cottages to go, next door to the, what was the bank. Yeah, these are on the right-hand uh, uh, side. Uh, on the side opposite to the butcher's shop, 
yeah, yes, yeah, next opposite, to opposite, yeah. where the Barclays, where the HSBC is now. Yes, that's right. Yeah, one. My auntie lived in. Was born in that house. It was. Um, she married my my mother's brother, so she wasn't related to me really. And this is where the uh, two. Well, it's now a gym, but it was where the Scottish Scotch wool shop and Pond and Mill were. And these two little shops were there, and they were right next door to my school, Holy Trinity. I think um, the one on the left was actually two different shops. Well, it was. That was the, it was a saddler's shop with the little stripy ver veranda, and next door it was a general shop that sold clothes and shoes and all sorts. And next door to that, it was a baker's. And this is now the row of, where the row of shops are with our post office in, dead opposite to... Um, the present sorting office. It's such a shame, it was a beautiful building. It was only the Priory for a very short time. Its proper name was the Elms, and when Mrs. Vandervoort bought it, she had it just as a private hotel. Now opposite there is uh, Holy Trinity School that is now, well, oh, it's I gone. don't know what it's called, what was, no, it's gone, of course, everything's yeah. gone. Yeah. It's There's not much we showing you that's still there. It, this church is one of the few things that's still standing. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, gone. Well, that's, that's Holy Trinity School, and it's now got um, a charity shop. Well, it's empty, I think, the charity shop, and there's a chicken shop on the corner, and it's dead opposite the present post office. The interesting thing is how they've straightened that road. Yeah. And that big, that big, uh, that nice hotel we've just seen was right behind all those trees where our present post office is. That was built in 1901 and demolished in 1966 when the other school. Um, this is a school again. Yeah, you can see the district bank, which is was still there until recently. What it was called? Well, the National building. Westminster was it? The building's still there. Yes. But, yeah. It's, it's got, waiting it, to be turned into... Another eating place. Yeah, with, probably. With, yeah, it is, with flat. Or possibly a Turkish barber's. Yes, this is the, um, what was the original, well, not the original, but it was the post office on the left, and the school just beyond there, and then behind the trees was that, um, the priory. And this is a one, one of the, they only had three classrooms at um, Holy Trinity. This photograph is about 1949, and this was the main classroom. Were you on there? No, I'd long since left school in 19. <laughs> and this is the Holy Trinity again. That little boy with the 10 to 2 feet is Ken Pinkstone. And, um, and sadly, nearly all those people have now gone. But this was the. Uh, the, the, the infant school, the infant classroom. It had a big fire in the corner and a rocking horse and a lovely school to go to. And that's the headmistress who was there from the 1920s till the 1960s. And we were frightened to death of her. She was so strict. But she was a very good teacher. And I think during, at the end, she mellowed considerably because there were always stories of the children going to the station with their bag because she lived in Southport. And that's... Um, Canon Thompson giving her a leaving gift on a on a retirement, and the lady in the front with the white hat just uh, clapping at the front. That's Mrs. Brown, Joan Brown, the wife of Russell Brown. 
And that's and, uh, our first half done. I don't think you'll be able to stand another half, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we heard all about the farms, the shops, the school, but there must have been more to life in Formby in these olden days when Joan was young than just that. So, there surely must have been some entertainment. Was there, Joan? Well, we had two cinemas for a start. We'd got the, the Queen's and the Embassy. Oh, we got the sport, we'd got the football. Sport. Football, sport. that was the Formby team and they won the cup that year. We were marvellous. The FA Cup. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah. No, but we, used, we had a very famous um, uh, Footballer playing on our ground at Browse Lane. It, the football was where the pool is now. And it was Bert Troutman, he was playing for St. Helens. And he later went on to play, play for Manchester City, broke his neck and came back to play again. He was a prisoner of war from, um, yeah. yeah. I, I knew every one of those. We used to travel with the um, supporters group to the away matches. We thought we were going miles, and we used to go on a coach to Crosby and... <laughs> oh, the deep south. <laughs> right, and there was tennis. Well, I didn't know an awful lot about that, but it is and the tennis club. Here, this is Formby Tennis Club, I think, and behind the two guys shaking hands is a chap called Alan, Alan Mills. Mills who was the referee for years and years and years at Wimbledon. Yeah. He played a lot at our youth club, Alan Mills. Uh, I mean, it's a shame the ladies don't wear those fetching cardigans any longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, ah, the, the bay horse, yes. That's how it was when we were little, because they built, they've built these extensions since then. And it, there used to be a fair came every, every year, Wallace's fair came, and it was on the field, which is now the um, car park. And in the snug, that's the little room at the back of the... Uh, they're all local people, those. The fellow on, standing on the extreme left there is the brother of Jimmy Rimmer, the councillor, Bobby Rimmer, who had the shop on the corner of the village, which is now Lloyd's Bank. And I know all of the names, actually. And yeah, there are it's easy, because they're all called Rimmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them are, but they're not related to one another. <laughs> uh, there we are. That's when it had been altered. However, on that picture was when it had been altered to become a Toby Carvery, and it doesn't use, say, the word Bay Horse anywhere on it. Mm -hmm. And they got rid of a lovely sign yeah. and a lady activist who I happen to know oh, made gosh. a lot of fuss and it has now got Bay Horse written on it and the Toby Carvery has been rather toned down. However, it's not a bad deal, the Toby Carvery. I don't know if any of you have been there, but it's, if you want a good solid meal at a sensible price, it takes a lot of beating. Do you know, I didn't know he was going to say any of these things. He's done all this without... I just gave him all my material and said, do what you like. And this is what he's done. And oh. that is a pub that is no longer a pub called The Lifeboat that is in Berkey Lane. 
The house has got the lifeboat written on it. It's sort of fairly towards the Liverpool Road end of Berkeley. It's halfway down on the right-hand side from going... It was called the lifeboat, and of course the lifeboat was down Raven Mills and lifeboat. Yes, but there was a lifeboat uh, 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 next door to it was where the lifeboat was kept when, when it wasn't used as the lifeboat. And he, I thought he was going to say this because the landlord was John Rimmer, but no <laughs> relation to me. It's written underneath. <laughs> this is the cinema. And not only is it a cinema, but they have talkies. <laughs> well, it was very partial. the excitement. It was really nice. It started its life as a, a roller skating rink in 1928, and then in the early 30s, 1932, it became a cinema, and it had petrol pumps outside as well. It was a garage. Very posh it was. It wasn't a bit like the Queen's. Sorry. It was at the end, yes, it was a right, an ice rink. And the other one, strangely, ended as a roller skating rink, the Queen's. This is the Queen's. Oh, that's the Queen's, there it was. We thought it was really spacious. It must have been a proper little dive. They needed the flit spray around there, but it was... Um, There's now a very sophisticated little bistro there called the Village Inn. Or the Bin. <laughs> Because that building's pretty much gone. Yes, it's I know. It's where the YMCA yeah. charity shop yeah. is. What next? Ah, the Formby Show. This is Duke Street Field. Yeah. With Duke Street sort of diagonally along on the left-hand side. Yeah. And the whole of the field was the Forby show, which was fantastic. It went well, on into the mid-70s. Yeah. During the 1950s, it was, uh, 40s and 50s, it was the biggest one-day show in the country. It was fantastic. All people came from all over the place. It was not just a horticultural, but an agricultural show. And it had proper show jumping. Yeah. And the guy in front with red was Harvey Smith, yeah. who was famous for making a gesture. Apparently <laughs> so, yeah. I yeah. don't know what the gesture, I didn't understand it at all, but he, he didn't yeah. make it inform me. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Yes, and it did. And there was stalls all the way, and it was huge. And flower tents, and you know, it was just they, for they, one day. But people came from all over the country, it wasn't just a local thing, it was really a big thing at the time. And the schools all took part, oh. but you see, the schools, are, they can't, they've no way of doing this anymore, because it's too... Our children loved it and would prepare for yeah. it and be doing things for it. I once won a prize for my handwriting, which is absolutely atrocious now. <laughs> and this is, I think this is the Wine Society. Mary oh, yes, it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there's the, some lads. Yeah, those those boys on my brother's the end one on the right. Um, they're all there's only my brother left now. The other three have all gone, I'm afraid. Ronnie Harrison, Freddie Gordon, Howard Corliss, and my brother Derek. And the little girl Is with that the ribbon. Your dad? Oh. oh yeah, my nephew's here. That's your dad. <laughs> Joan always tries to have as many generations as possible here. To <laughs> No, it's the first time any of them have seen it, so. Oh, yes, this was the uh, coronation. coronation June 1953, 2nd of June. And this was the party in Flaxfield Road. 
and um, they joined with Kenyon's Lane, and they had a really good time with the with those um, tables down the road. And this is the the annual gala that was organised by Our Lady's Church, and they had a Rose Queen and races and games and all sorts. A really good occasion. The little girl is um, uh, Postlethwaite, her name, and the oh my goodness me! Now what have this you is a treat. This is the treat that you've almost been waiting for. Those two little dear children. Well, that's me and my twin brother. And her twin brother, Derek, like two peas in a pod. We would win a prize for the most honor-like twins in the universe. <laughs> <coughs> I'm sorry, Dave, I'm embarrassing you now. <laughs> that was the last um, ice cream we probably tasted because it was the last one before the war. Now, so. if you really want to see how the people of Formby <coughs> knew how to enjoy them, the people of Formby <coughs> knew how to enjoy themselves. This is the Easter Bonnet Parade. And it was supposed to be the Derby and Joan, but there's quite an absence of any Derbys around there. And the little lady with the dark coat and the hat tied under her chin, we all called her Bella the Bomber, and she was a, a porter on Freshfield Station. And she was absolutely hilarious. She'd got a little tiny husband, and whenever you saw them, they were walking behind one another for quite a long time. Just to show you what a good do it was, if you look at the lady in the back row in the extreme right, she's got a smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> ah! The shore. The shore. Never. Now, I thought Formby had a beach. No, That's we did what not. Blow-ins call it. Exactly. Uh, the shore is the shore and not the beach. To us anyway. To us sand grounders. You can call it what you like. This is the end of Victoria Road going straight down to the shore. And it's uh, just beyond there that Jimmy Lowe had his farm. And there was a cafe as well. There's the cafe, Pine Tree Cafe. And that was fantastic. It was first owned by a Wright family, and then it was uh, Captain Hutchinson, who was a local um, uh, councillor, and he lived in Montague Road, and there was no water laid on or anything like that at this place, so he, used, he had a very old-fashioned Rolls-Royce with little curtains at the windows, and he used to bring two great big barrels of water down in this thing, and that water did for everything, for the cooking, the cleaning, the washing. I mean, health and safety have a field day, the... But we, never, we were never ill, and his wife used to make homemade cakes and shrimp sandwiches. It was a really lovely place. And that's the number of people who were going down there on their bikes. And I don't know whether that black car is this Rolls Royce, possibly. And oh, yes, I think it, it, yeah, I think it is, and those caravans. It was very impromptu, wasn't yeah, it? Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. And the shore again. It was a very busy place because um, nobody had proper holidays during the very early days and uh, they used to come out to Formby and put tents up and stay here for the weekend or a few more days. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, sorry, no, go on. No, I was going to say I've always been a little bit worried about this particular picture because this couple in the <laughs> foreground... I wasn't going to mention seems them. to be... The legs don't seem to fit quite right. 
Well, that's Freshfield Shore, but I think we've got some for Formby. Right, we've got a poem now again. Okay. Uh, the Shore. Long summer days, school holidays, always it seemed to be warm. Sandwiches packed, off we all tracked, all the shore like bees in a swarm. Off on our bikes, summer on trikes, our parents knew we were fine. Sun, sand and sea, nothing could be better for kids at the time. Sandhills were steep, stargrass grew deep, we ran and we chased through it all. Laughter and joy for each girl and boy, tossing an old tennis ball. Nothing to pay, free every day, we splashed and swam in the waves. Jellyfish found, digging around, sand tunnels made into caves. Exotic shells, lovely harebells, pebbles so smooth and so round. Morning till night, loving the sight of the sea washing in on the ground. Tired and spent, dirty we went, back home exhausted to bed. Happy to be here in Formby with our playground, the shore just ahead. Right, well, a bit more of the shore, I think. Yes. Oh, yes, Pine Tree. Pine, Pine Tree. Cafe Pine Tree Cafe, yes. Um, yes, I've, I think I've said pretty much all about that, really, but it was a very, very popular place. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of bank holiday yeah. at Pine Tree yeah. Cafe. Yeah. It, it, Sadly. Well, the sea has encroached a long way in in my lifetime. Anyway, it's coming at least at least half a mile. And this was in the high spring tides of 1960, the early 1960s, and it just literally collapsed into the sea. That's one of the navigation markers just in the background there. Sorry, just me getting myself organised. Ah, now, there was more than just that shack. There was another shack on the beach where a hermit or a... Oh, yes, at the other end. ...unusual person lived called Tasker. Fascinating, he, he, really. And again, Joan Rimmer has made a poem about him. And I've put it to some words, which I must now try and remember the tune of. <laughs> a tumble-down shack and a man from the wars, whose life seems so simple without any cause. Some old mongrel dogs and a battered tin pan, the sandhills were home to this solitary man. We knew him as Tasker and thought him quite odd. A remote and strange character, off he would plod. With down-at-heel shoes and tattered old togs, as he trailed from the shore with his sack and his dogs. 
His knowledge and culture belied by his looks. His life just revolved round his pets and his books. He'd rejected a world he could not understand for the plants and the wildlife, the sea and the sand. He lived very frugally but liked his pint pot. The cold and the wet seemed to bother him not. Throughout all the seasons his life was the same. He survived snow and rain and the winds when they came. Looked down, by, looked down on by many for what he commends. His dogs were his family, his seagulls his friends. His lifestyle for him was contentment sublime and to live close to nature was never a crime. No home, no possessions, no job and no wife. He did nothing, went nowhere, wasted his life. Why should we remember and talk of him still? He's part of our folklore and that's why we will. Tasker. Oh, bless. Right, back to the beach and the, sh the shore. The shore, sorry. <laughs> yes, this is the way, this is the way down to um, Formby Shore along Lifeboat Road. Not all that much different, really. No, pretty much the same. What isn't the same is what happens at the bottom. When we first came, you could drive right down there to where that red triangle was. Yeah. The red triangle has fallen off the pole. It's no longer red and white. And this sand has oh. covered the whole road. Yeah. I, I used to have to go there uh, and get sand for our sand pit for the yeah. kids. And I used to drive right down there and then shovel it into the... It's called yeah. sand winning round here. You're not allowed anymore, though. Not allowed anymore, no. 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 But it used to be quite big in Formby, sand winning. Oh, indeed it was, yeah. Poof. Anyway, what else? Oh. Oh, yeah, oh. that... Well, I'm sorry, Dave, again. That was, that's my mum, my sister-in-law, my two little nephews and a friend in the middle there. Is David one of them? They were th three and four now. Dave, I'm sorry, but he's 60 now and he's sitting over there. <laughs> Any relation of Joan Rooney oh, yes. very welcome here. <laughs> and most of them are here. <laughs> ah, this is interesting. Yeah. This is looking... Um, out, out to sea, and that's the boathouse. Yeah. With the boathouse on the right, and um, the house that was used to measure the tide heights on yeah. the left, because it was very important for Liverpool. Every 20 minutes they had to record the tide times. Presumably from the tower. Which is yeah. And that's another That's the same picture, picture yes. I mean, neither of those buildings are here Well, now. this was the very oldest lifeboat station in the whole world. We thought it was just Great Britain, but it's definitely in the world. 1776. 1776, amazing, really. And it was there until the last boat went out in 1916. And this was an early picture of it. There were two. The, 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 it was replaced later on. 
um, by another building, but that one lasted until the very end. And it went on. Oh, and this is a model that Pete Norris, who was born in the boathouse, he made this of it. And it's, uh, it's an absolute accurate... It's, it actually it's, became a house, and the whole family lived in Yeah, there were five children and the parents. And the guy's still around? Oh, yes, yes, he's very much around. And um, it must have been the hardest of that, because they didn't have any, wa any um, water, electric, gas, nothing. They had yeah. a well. And uh, um, he told me recently, well, not that long ago, that when the pipe was laid with the water... Uh, Miles Form, uh, Jonathan Formby laid it through the sandhills across to them and when it came out at the other end it was thick with rust off the, um, off the, off the uh, rotten pipes I suppose and we were drinking all this it's no wonder we're all so fit we're full of iron <laughs> and there it is the fan sort of engulfed it and well, a few years ago, this was all that was left was this sort of brick surround. Well, there's even less now. There's hardly now, anything. A bit m more recently, that, and I think. But it's now, there's less. It, it's gone really now. There's very okay. few, only a few bricks. Oh, and these are the famous lifeboat Aindos. The man in the middle is John um, Aindo. And he, and he had seven sons and five nephews. And it was said at one time the entire crew was made up of their family. And he was a remarkable man because um, he worked on the lifeboats for 48 years. And for 25 of those years, he was the cox of the boat. And he only retired at the age of 71 in 1910. Basically, they decided... The tr trouble with the lifeboat is they had to take it out with horses on a trailer. Yeah. And it was easier to have a lifeboat on the other side. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there they are. The, picture. The, the, the boat was, in the, was kept in the boathouse. And then... Uh, they had, they had to commandeer. They, no, well, they just got um, any farmers or coal merchants. They had to use their their horses to tow it from the boathouse down to the shore, and then the horses would wade into the water until the boat was afloat, and then they would be brought back in again and go back to the boathouse. If you look on the wheels, there's sort of feet to help walk across the sand. We've now mm. got another pub called The Lifeboat, uh, run by Mr. Weatherspoon. And this was named by him. They were going well, to call it The Bowling the Green. One thing we've got in common is moaning to <laughs> brewers about the naming of pubs. Joan was successful with the Bay Horse, and they were going to... The, the uh, Weatherspoons took over the Conservative Club, destroyed a bowling green that was there, and then we're going to call the pub the Bowling Green. I yeah. thought, this is too much. And I complained. And the local paper took it up. And it is now called the Lifeboat, which yeah. is much more appropriate. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And that's the crew of the Lifeboat. Of the, sa of the Southport crew, yes. Yeah. Right, but of course, Joan remembers the boathouse because after the lifeboat had gone, the house was still there and it was run as a sort of cafe. Well, it, was, it started as a cafe in the 1920s. Yes. Yes, that's right. It and it went... It went yeah, I know you weren't there exactly in the Well, 1920s. thank you for that. <laughs> no. But it, um, it went on till the 1960s, really. Uh, no, 50s. And then it was demolished in 19... Not demo yes, demolished in 1965. Right. Oh, yes, here we Joan's are. Joan's poem. 
In childhood days we never knew the history of the lifeboat crew. We didn't know we'd led the way with our lifeboat house on Liverpool Bay. To us the boathouse was the shop and cafe where we bought our pop. Its sloping roof down to the shore and gaping massive wide front door. Cold cobbles covered with blown sand, we walked upon bare feet to stand and changed the bottles we had found for copper pennies large and round. A huge enclosure quite close by, beside the sea beneath the sky, where all our bikes were in a stack, unlocked and safe till we came back. The sea was clear, the shore was clean, hard ridges where the tide had been. Wrecked boats and driftwood wore our toys, sand hills resigning with our noise. As setting sun joined sea and sky, back to the boathouse we would fly. Collect our bikes and ride away, a perfect end to a perfect day. I should have told you about one of the worst occasions when four of the lifeboat men were drowned in an attempted rescue. It was way back in the 1830s and when these four men were drowned, 38 children were left without fathers and one of the wives uh, was called Ellen Formby. Her husband um, was called Robert Formby and she left, she was expecting her 14th child. She had 13 children and they were awarded, all the wives were awarded two shillings a week for life, which sounds pretty paltry now, but I suppose that was reasonably generous in 1836. But I don't think they probably expected to be paying out as much or as long for, for Ellen Formby because her grave's just inside the gate here and she lived to be 104. <laughs> so there we are. I mean, one of the things with uh, the mouth of the River Mersey is it's quite dangerous because yeah. it's a very narrow channel with sandbanks and so on. As you can see, which is why you needed both a lifeboat house and things measuring the height of the tide. And there's been lots and lots of wrecks of Formby or near Formby. And at low tide, especially at very low tide, at spring tides when it's very low, you can see all sorts of stuff. And one of these was a boat called the Pigu or Pegu. It's one of these names, it's the name of a place in Burma, which is where it was going to, that the British gave a name to. It is now back to its Burmese name of Bago. So how you pronounce it, I don't know. It's like Beijing and Peking and Calcutta and Kolkata and all there's, that. There's a, there is another song that's been written by, by Steve called the Pagu. That's called the Pagu. You can find it on YouTube. Have a look. Stephen Gerrard with a PH and not a V or you'll get the footballer. Yeah, it's not as good as my song. Not, not, not the same as yours. You're doing this it's one. not as good as my song. Oh, no, no. It's not as good as yours. <laughs> no, Just different. My, it's different to my song. Yeah. It's an excellent song, yeah. actually. But my song was based on a song I heard. There used to be a folk 
um, singing couple called Jackie and Bridie. Do you remember? Yep. And I saw them years and years ago in, I think it was... They had British, a place in Penny Lane. Legion. It was the British Legion, the concert. And anyway, they sang this song about the... Pigu. Pigu, they yeah. called it. And I will call it that for this yeah, song. Yeah, but yeah. I have brought it up to date. So it's their tune, their song, but I've it gone into more detail. Since more detail has come to light. The Pigu left the Mersey in November 39. She was bound for Burma and belonged to the Henderson line. With a thousand bottles of whiskey and hundreds of bags of mail, her hold was full of sewing machines and barrels of export ale. A storm gust struck the Pigu, and though no hands were lost, all that costly cargo into the sea was tossed. All those brand new sewing machines upon the seabed lay, but the cargo of ale and whiskey floated down Liverpool Bay. <laughs> the barrels of beer got washed up in the mouth of the river Alt. High town people whisked them away without a second thought. <laughs> but further off the coastline, as if it had been planned, dozens of crates of whiskey landed right on Formby's sands. <laughs> They disappeared so quickly and were hidden out of sight. The customs men kept searching, but nothing came to light. For money months from then on, for his drinkers had a feast on that cargo of whiskey that was destined for the east. Now at low tide of Formby, on the edge of Taylor's Bank, you can still see the wreck of the Pigu right there where she sank. The moral of this story is also very clear. For me got the whiskey, but Hightown just got beer. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, the people who the, the man who lived in the boathouse that we've seen before, uh, Stephen Norris's dad, uh, Peter Norris's dad, um, never went to sea. He was a seaman, but never had to go to sea again for two more years after that. Funny that, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, think he spent, I think he spent a long time breaking up all the ca ca cases so they couldn't be found and yeah. all this stuff was at home. <laughs> right, well, now... What were they going to Burma for? They were taking the whiskey and the beer out because there were loads of British people in Burma. It was like the in, part of Indian Empire then. And bringing back teak particularly. And this is, the picture is the Pigu Club for the British businessmen, all made out of teak. And that's their dining hall. And this is in Burma, you know. And even more importantly, there's a cocktail called the Pigu Club Cocktail. And just in case you want to make this when you get home as a bit of a nightcap, 
you need gin, orange curacao, lime juice, orange bitters and angostura bitters. Just the sort of thing I'm sure you've got in your cupboards <laughs> waiting wait to make a PU club cocktail. Right. In a way, the thing that I almost like best about Formby is that. You've got the forest, the pine woods, the dunes with the grass, the sand and the sea. What a vision that is. And we thought we'd end up our presentation with just a few pictures. Ah, trees. The trees on the shore are important, but so are the ones in the village. There's that scooter again, by the way. <laughs> Just spot that. And there's these lovely trees, particularly on the right-hand side. And the council were into cutting down these trees. But fortunately, Formby has power in the godmother. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, they came round to my house with this terrible coat and said, put the, didn't tell me what it was for, just said, put that coat on. And I said, but I don't like it. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter, put it on. And then he took a photograph and I said, well, what's it for? He said, oh, you'll find out. <laughs> and then, but before that, he said, just fold your arms and look sinister. I said, I just look stupid. Well, oh, um. fortunately, I have to say, and it's, I really enjoyed doing this with Jo, because she's such a good sport, as well as all her knowledge and everything, and we do rib her a little bit. And <laughs> anyway, it was decided that there are trees that had already been cut down in Forby Village, and the idea was that it should be carved as an eff effigy of the godmother. <laughs> but I didn't do any of this on my own, you know. I, we got it was pouring down with rain that we, we only knew the day before what was happening, and so I rang everybody and um, we thought well, they'll never come because it was pouring down with rain. But we, we both, about a hundred people turned up. And we all just stood around them and they weren't able to do it, so it was all the people that did this, not just me. Oh, well, anyway, Take it off, Steve, please. <laughs> anyway, we gave instructions to Simon Archer, who did the... Um, oh, he's brilliant. ...and said, this is what we're after. And it doesn't look a bit like her. <laughs> what were they playing at? However... There is a sting in the tail. Oh, Round the front, you see it says Fornaby, which is the old way of spelling Formby. Above it, there's like a little slot, and there's lots of little grinning rim of faces <laughs> <laughs> of the Vikings waiting to come out of their boats and start <laughs> plundering and doing the other sorts of things that Vikings do. So there is a link. But uh, I think it's really nice. Yeah. Viking ship, it's part of our history. Anyway, sorry, Joan. That's quite all right. I won't... Don't no, mention it. There's no more surprise. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. So, back to here, and let's just...
go through a few of our favourite places. I mean, all near Cabin Hill, around in the Pine, was all sorts of places. I'm sure that all of you have been. And it's lovely, the heather, June Heath. I think we're very lucky to live in a place like this. And that's lovely. And I think that's a good place to end. And that's our Formby memories. Thank you. Nick and Joan, I would just say a sincere thank you to you both for an extremely entertaining evening. I think you did actually manage to educate us a bit as well, which is quite a, quite a feat to have us laughing and learning at the same time. Thank you both very much. And Joan, you can be my godmother anytime. That's fine by me. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us as we continue to celebrate 275 years of a worshipping community here in St. Peter's this year. We have a lot of events coming up. Several years ago before pandemic, we thought, oh yeah, we'll do that and 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 that and that. <laughs> and no, nobody actually thought, well, maybe a year is quite a short time to do all these things, but we're going to do it. So please keep an eye on what we're up to. This week continues tomorrow. Please spread the word. The church is open uh, along with the coffee shop um, tomorrow from t 11 till 4. If you turn up earlier, you're going to be on a school tour, so whatever. Um, and on Saturday morning, uh, there is more voices in the churchyard because we have even more interesting dead people uh, in Formby. So uh, they will be, this will be the third time the, uh, uh, the drama group have been out to reenact uh, the, uh, the lives of some of the people who are buried in St. Peter's. So that's at half ten and twelve o'clock on Saturday and the coffee shop will be open and the cake is brill. But thank you all for being with us to help us to continue to celebrate 275 years, and Nick is now going to... There wouldn't be tea towels in those bags by any chance, Nick, is there? <laughs> oh, thank you. Cheers. Oh, that's very kind. That's very kind. Very nice. All right, then, okay. Yeah. We, aren't, we aren't charging for any of the events that we run this year, but if you fancy giving a little donation on your way out, that's, that would be perfectly acceptable. Cash, checks, contactless payment, um, blood, I don't mind. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Judith is stood at the back trying to offload tea towels. Isn't that right, Judith? Thank you very much for being here, and uh, as I say, we look forward to celebrating more with you during the year. Good night. Formby Podcast is an independent production. It comes to you free. If you'd like us to tell your story, or you know of a story, contact us at formbypodcast at gmail.com.
www.thecreativeshub.com. See you next time.